Yo, today's QOD is, don't you ever change one brush stroke on your canvas because someone doesn't like what you paint. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Tyler Perry on the show for our best of 2020 week. Today, Tyler's going to share a story of his life. And he's going to talk about what can happen in your life when you set an intention, when you create your purpose, when you commit to your vision. And to commit to your vision, you have to be willing to create your vision. Not just a little vision, but a real vision, something that moves you, something big, something that brings out more in you. Not settling for the little dreams. You got to dream big. We've heard that so many times on this show. And, you know, the key word for me is commitment. You know, somebody said to me a few months ago, he says, Sean, your life is a reflection of what you're committed to. You know, that, that, that thing that you complain about, you don't have that right now because you're not committed to it. And I was like, Woof, that's real. That's real talk. I'm not, I, I haven't been committed to it. I just been wanting to complain about it, but I'm just, I'm not committed to it. And in that moment, I made a decision. All right, I'm committed to this thing now. And I made changes in my life with delegation, with habits to have the thing that I want and to quit the complaining and be committed. And my life has been so much different over this last three months because I committed to it. Now my, my life is reflecting something different because of that commitment. We set goals, you know, we're about to go into a new year's. We're going to set some goals, right? But most of us are not going to commit to them, which is why they don't happen. Commitment is willing to move forward and go through whatever you got to go through in order to get to where you want. Tyler Perry is about to talk about in this first five minutes, seven years, seven years when things weren't quite going his way, seven years where he was failing and course correcting and failing again and course correcting, but he didn't give up for seven years. And I'm sure that continues to this day fail, course, correct, fail, course, correct, fail, course, correct. But that's part of the commitment, which is why Tyler Perry is a billionaire now. Seven years. We can't do seven days. We set these goals January 1st and we're done by January 8th. It's over. 93% of people who set New Year's resolutions are not going to accomplish them. 7% will. Why? Because they failed. The 93% who don't accomplish their goals, they failed. The 7% who accomplished their goals, they failed. The difference was the 7% were willing to fail and keep on going. That's the only difference. Because they were committed. So I want you to start thinking about, as we go into this new year, what are you committed to? What are you just giving lip service to? 
What are you just talking about year after year after year? And really, what are you willing to be committed to? Not for seven days, not for seven months, maybe for seven years, maybe for the rest of your life. What are you going to be committed to? What are you going to put your attention on and be willing to do that for as long as it takes to have the thing that you want? Here's Tyler. So what do you do when you have worked this hard, built this foundation, everything you are trying to build on, it seems to not be coming together. What happens if you find yourself at an interview and realize that you're being judged because of your name, or because of the color of your skin, or because of your size, or because of who you love, or where you come from? What if in a few years you find yourself at a glass ceiling that the one in the career that you thought you so desperately wanted. What do you do? What happens when the job that you wanted or the career that you planned for doesn't come right away? What do you do? Well, it was 1991, I was just about your age then, and I had written my first play, it was called I Know I've Been Changed. It was about adult survivors of child abuse, and I wanted to do this show, and just my intention was just to make enough money to be able to take care of my mother. That's all I wanted to do. That was my goal. Make the money and retire her. Anyway, I had moved, I just moved to Atlanta to try and launch this place, so I went to work. I would always work. You have to always work. You gotta always go to work. <laughs> I managed to save $12,000 and I put the show up, working, used car, bill collector, H&R block tax return that wasn't quite right, but I got my money out of it. <laughs> I thought 1,200 people would show up that weekend, but only 30 showed up. My car payment, rent, everything was tied up in it, so I ended up homeless. I ended up out on the street with no money and nothing to my name. But I knew that that is what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that I was on a good foundation. I had put in the work. This was supposed to work. It was supposed to be successful, but it wasn't. Over and over again, it failed, or so I thought. From 1992 to 93 to 94, every year I was doing one show a year. I would go get a job in between, and they would tell me I couldn't take time off. So I would quit. Now, I'm not telling you to go quit your job. I'm telling you what I did. This is my story. I would go tell my boss that I need some time off, and they'd say, no, you just got started working. You just got this job. You can't have any time off. But I knew that that was my destiny, so I kept on doing the play. Every year I would do it, it would fail, fall short, fall short, until 1998. In 1998, in the seventh year of me trying, the seventh year of me trying, I was about to give up and walk away. I had enough of it. I was going to do like my mother said. She said, baby, go down to the phone company, get you a good job, making about $350 a week and some benefits, and you'll be all right. But how many of you know mama's dream for you is not necessarily your dream for yourself? I knew I was in the right place when one day I started getting notes from people, this was before email, who had seen the show. They would say, this really touched me. This really helped me. They started telling me how it had changed their lives, how they were moved by it. Then I realized, wait a second, this story that I'm telling about these adult survivors getting over things, this isn't just about me or where I come from. It's a healing for many people. I saw it, I got it, and it hit me, and my intention changed. At that moment, it was no longer about making enough money to take care of anybody. It became about what it did for the people who saw it, who saw themselves, 
My entire intention changed in 1998, and everything in my life shifted after that. I was still doing the same show. I was still doing the same things, but because my intention changed, my purpose in what I was doing, this four had changed. My intention became about how do I serve other people? How do I lift other people? When I realized that everything in my life began to fall into place. So I want to talk to you about intention today. What is your intention in your career? Why did you choose it? What is your purpose? Because let me tell you, whatever you set your intention as, that is where you will land. You know, once I changed my intention, once it became about, you're gonna hear that word a lot, intention. Once it became about going out on the road with the, my plays to share what I had learned about life, about faith, and about God, and about forgiveness. Once I, once I did that, everything that I touched seems to see major success. My intention was to use what I had learned in life, to use my gifts, my writing, and everything within me to lift people, to motivate them, to make them laugh, to, to use the laughter as an anesthetic so that I could talk about things that were plaguing our community that nobody wanted to talk about. Things like domestic violence and molestation and rape and AIDS and HIV, getting over heartbreak, getting over things that, that tried to take us out to talk about someone that no one wanted to talk about in this politically correct society, and that is the name of Jesus. You see, to me, my work is a how-to manual for the average person, for people like me when I was growing up who couldn't afford therapy, people who couldn't afford to take time off from work while they figured things out. For people who couldn't get in their car and go to the country club and play a round of golf and work things out of their head. It was for people like the people that raised me. People that I'm not ashamed to own like many of us do once we get a few letters behind our name. When my intention changed so that everything in my life, I began to live in purpose and live on purpose. I never thought about money or success again, but it kept coming my way. So much so that I was playing arenas, even until this day, 20, 30,000 people coming to the arenas over a weekend, packing the place just to see my live plays. Then on to incredible success in film with over about 15 movies grossing over a billion dollars. Then on to television, where I provided jobs and made more millionaires than the all the studios combined in a 10-year period when blacks were... In a 10-year period when blacks were absent from television and the film, I helped people like Idris Elba by giving him his first movie. I worked with Kerry Washington before Scandal, and Taraji P. Henson before Empire, with Viola Davis before How to Get, with, Get Away with Murder, and Miss Cicely Tyson, the legendary Cicely Tyson. She said that I helped revitalize her career, and there are many more. Nothing changed in what I was doing other than my intention. So today I want to challenge you to know your intention as to why you do what you do. And I promise you, if your intention is right, you will be successful. But let me warn you what will happen when you're successful. Because I don't want you to get out there and get caught off guard. At first you're going to be celebrated. 
but when your success surpasses what your peers expect of you, then you will become a target. So now that you have set your attention, now that you have your foundation, let's talk about how to stay on course when the attacks come. And I assure you, they will come for you just as they did for me. When my attack started, I was shocked because I was so busy looking outside for the enemy to come and tear me down, I didn't even realize that the enemy was standing right in my own backyard. You see, we as black people, we have come through so much and we've endured so much that a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us still bear the scars of our ancestors. We still feel that if one of us is up, then that means that no one else can be too. So in order for me to be up and get ahead, then I can't celebrate you, I have to tear you down. That's the mentality that we have sometimes. That stems from a time in our history that there was only allowed one person of color to be successful at a time. I'll give you an example for Hollywood. When Hattie McDaniel was successful, there couldn't be another. When Dorothy Dandridge was successful, there couldn't be another. When Sammy Davis was successful, you know what I'm saying. You get, you get the picture here. So expect some attacks. It's all a part of it. But remember this. A hunter only shoots at a deer he can see. If you ain't being seen, you ain't doing nothing. I can recall not too long ago being called a coon and a buffoon by one of my peers. Things were written in headlines in some of these blogs like, what's up with him in this dress? Heller. Headlines, shocking. Why did he put these fat black people on TV when House of Pain came out? Tyler, this one is someone I saw, it's a, a title of, a, of an article. Tyler Perry hates black women. Another one said, Tyler Perry hates black men. I mean, just absurd things that shocked me because it was coming from inside, from black folks. I was blown away. I thought, how could these intellectuals with these degrees, they're so smart, how can they not see what I'm doing here? How could they not get the power of what was happening here for people that everybody else had given up on? Their comments took me aback because I found myself fighting two wars. I was sitting in Hollywood meetings at the board table telling them how important our stories are and how they need to be told and, and how it was important that we keep our truth as they are. But when I left out of the boardroom, stepped out of that meeting, I had to fight us too. One comment that stuck with me is, Tyler Perry, this was the title of an article, Tyler Perry is dangerous for black people. I thought, what? I thought, what? How can they say this? The people who were saying these things must not have known the experiences and my life and the people around me. They had shaped me. They had shaped my writing and my work, like my uncle with his ashy knees, who drank and fell in and out of love every other weekend. Or my aunt, who would get into an argument with her husband and cut him down 911 and then pray that he was okay. <laughs> or the woman that lived across the street from me who was largely overweight. She had 10 children and she was on welfare. And when I thought about all of these people and their stories, I realized something that stopped me from being frustrated by what they were saying. I quickly stopped paying attention to the naysayers when I realized what they were telling me was, what they were saying is that my stories and the people that I was talking about didn't deserve to have their story told because they were an embarrassment to a certain level of black people. That's what they were saying. And I got angry. 
I thought, who are they to say that your life and your story as a black person shouldn't be told because you don't look like what they want you to look like? I got angry not just for me, but for all of the people that I love and the millions of people that love what I do. I was offended for the people that I grew up with and the people that loved me so much. I was offended for the people that were maids and garbage truck drivers and hairdressers, the people that shined shoes and washed dishes and scrubbed toilets and cleaned houses so that the very people that are talking about the work that I'm doing could get the degrees to be authorities on all things Tyler Perry. But I must say, when my anger subsided, I wanted to understand this level of elitist ignorance. It didn't take me long to find out that this lives in our culture as well. There is a history of it. It was Langston Hughes who said that Zora Neale Hurston, one of the greatest literary minds of our times, was a new version of the darkie because her story spoke in a southern dialect. I got it then. And it also would go the other way where they say if you get too much education, then you're trying to be too white. Or if you speak proper English, you're trying to be white. Or if that, just take Whitney Houston, who was booed at the Soul Train Awards by black people because she sounded too white. It was in The Color Purple where people boycotted because of the stories and the way that Alice Walker had depicted black men. Alex Walker, a black woman, Alice Walker. They boycotted the movie. And then when it didn't win any Oscars, they boycotted it. They said that Oprah was too white. They said that the Cosby Show didn't represent us as black people, so it goes both ways. In my research, I found something shocking. What I found is that we as black people, we have the greatest migration that you could imagine. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Tell you what we do to ourselves. When some of us make a little money, or when we get some degrees, we don't want to be reminded of who we are and where we come from. When we see someone that reminds us of our grandparents or our ancestors, we get offended. If we see an image of a black person on television that is overweight, we get troubled. And you know the thing that bothers me is I have never seen our white brothers and sisters apologizing for telling all sides of their story. Realizing that I learned not to apologize for telling all shades of ours. As an artist, this is the art that I want to paint. And I'm going to tell you this, graduates, just as I will never do it, don't you ever change one brushstroke on your canvas because somebody doesn't like what you paint. Because I'll tell you what happened. While they were talking, my intention stayed the same, to encourage, to lift, to inspire. While they were murmuring, I kept going higher. I kept on building, still getting bigger. I kept on working. Why am I telling you this? Number one, so that you know how to stay on course. Keep your intention no matter what pressures come your way. And also I'm telling you this because it's time that we stop running from where we come from to look for someone else to approve us. I don't know why we run out to someone else looking for validation. I want to tell you something. We are enough. You are enough. Your gift is enough. Live in 
your truth, share your gifts. Don't worry about who gets it. If your aim and your intention is for right and to do the right thing, you will make it. And when you do, don't run from us. Don't be embarrassed by us. Come back and help us. You are the generation that has the power to do away with this kind of thinking. You are the generation that can change this. You can show us that all of our stories and all of our lives matter. When I made my first million dollars, I'll tell you what I did. I went back and I set up shop right in the middle of our community, in the hood. I will never forget when President Obama was running for re-election in 2012 and he came to the studio. And to see all of those little black faces lining the streets, holding their flags, waving at the presidential motorcade, came driving through the ghetto. I saw hope in their eyes. It made me cry because I realized that some of them know that they can do it too. I recently bought Fort McPherson Army Base in Atlanta to build my new studio. And it's right in the middle of one of the lowest income areas in Atlanta. And I will hire many people from that neighborhood and train them on how to run their own companies. It gives me so much joy to know that an army base that was established and built just a few years after slavery is now owned by a Negro. that our ancestors, they walked their path, your grandparents, your mother, your father, we, they all walked their path. Now it's your turn. Return to where you come from when you made it. You have the foundation. Know your intention. Know that it's not going to be easy, but just keep yourself on track. Know the value of what is already down in your well. Know that you are special. Know that you carry it. You have the torch. It's already been bought and paid for. Now it's in your hands. Use it for good. Inspire somebody. Encourage somebody. Uplift somebody. And finally, return to where you got started. Build with us. Teach us. Show us what you've learned. Help us to see that we can do it too. Then help somebody else to know that they are just as special as you are. May God bless you, Tuskegee. Bless all your dreams. Bless you. That was Tyler Perry. His website is tylerperry.com. You can check out today's talk on YouTube. It is called Tyler Perry Spring Tuskegee Commencement Speech. You know, we talked about commitment today. I am committed to helping you create your goals and reach your goals for 2021. I really want you to jump into the QOD Book Club. Go to qodbookclub.com, get signed up for seven bucks. We're reading Goals by Brian Tracy. I know I keep telling you about this every day, and I'm not going to stop telling you about this every day because I really, really, really want you to get in. It costs thousands of dollars to be in these kinds of groups. I'm letting you in for seven bucks for your first month and then $29 for every month after that. So you can read books and hang out with some really amazing people, be held accountable for doing the thing, for your commitments, to connect with amazing, amazing, incredible people. We got families in our group. 
I mean, it's just it's just the the best night of my week, Wednesday. I want it to be the best night of your week as well. And so go to QOD Book Club, get signed up, grab uh, Brian Tracy's book, Goals, order it, get it in a couple of days, start reading, read chapters one and two. We're going to show you how to set goals that stick and set goals that you're going to accomplish faster than you thought was ever possible. So again, QODBookClub.com. I'm out of here. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace. 